Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. What Became of Dr. Smith by artist Noah Satterstrom is on view now through September 22, 2024. Learn more at msmuseumart.org. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. It's made possible in part by contributions from podcast listeners. Please consider making a contribution by going to the Donate Now tab at mpbonline.org. Thanks for your financial support. Hello, welcome to the Arts Hour. I'm Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. This is the Arts Commission's weekly turn at the microphone here at MPB. Each week we talk to a different creative Mississippian. We talk to artists, musicians, craftspeople, people who help promote the arts in the community. And we have a very special guest with us today. He's our new executive director at the Mississippi Arts Commission. He's been with us almost a month now, but still a brand new uh, director here at the commission, David Lewis. David, welcome. Thanks, Larry. I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me. So, David, you have been here as of this recording. We're recording a little bit ahead of uh, the broadcast date. But you've been here almost one month, I think. By, yeah, by this it, weekend. It's just about one month. That's right. Yeah, uh, it's been fast and furious, but it's been great. And uh, maybe just give people a taste of kind of like you kind of came in, uh, unfortunately, at the absolute busiest time of the year for the Arts Commission. So maybe just like your first week here was pretty much a roller coaster, if not first 10 days. It was. We were diving right into legislative budget presentation and preparations for a board meeting and even uh, two weeks away from the Governor's Arts Award. So a lot of moving parts. But I thrive in those situations and, and love to dive right in. Excellent. That's what we need. That's what we need here. Um, so, folks, that you're a native of Jackson. People who are in the arts community in Jackson are probably familiar with you with your different roles you've played over the years here. Uh, but for, for the broader reaching out to Pascagoula, up to Tishomingo, give us a little overview about who David Lewis is and where you come from and a little bit of your background. Sure thing. So, um my, my father hails from Startville, Mississippi, so I've got a little maroon in my blood. My mother's family actually comes from Oxford and Macon, so a little bit of regional Mississippian generations uh, uh, provided what it took to get to me, I guess. Um, and I was born and raised in, in the wonderful neighborhood of Bellhaven in, in Jackson, which if you look at it and think about it, if you know much about Bellhaven, you can see why the arts is where I went, wound up with a lot of tremendous uh, groups that are involved there. New Stage Theater was a big part of growing up and going to shows there. I even tried out for a play once there. <laughs> even the, the, the building next to my dad's office is where I first saw a large scale, scale mural. If you uh, if anybody's familiar with High Street um, near the McDade's or Jitney Jungle back in the day, there is a notorious house that is covered with animals. It's a big giant mural full of animals. And I oh, remember Fortification Street. Yeah, Fortification, not High yeah, Street. Yeah. Thank you. Fortification Street. I shouldn't have known that. And and I remember when it was being painted, and I was like, I love that. I want more of that, and I want to be a part of that. And so I can even trace my own fascination and passion for public art back to even that moment, um, which was just right next to my dad's office growing up. So the arts have been a really big part of me. I, I, I did uh, piano lessons for nine years growing up, did show choir, all sorts of singing, performing. But photography and art were a big passion of mine that led into my sort of interest in architecture, which is where my education led me. So did you have, um, or your parents or other older relatives kind of, uh, oriented towards the arts or what, how did the, 
obviously just the environment being in the neighborhood and, and seeing it, but what about kind of your, the people immediately around you and how they uh, influenced you? That's a great question. So my, my mom is a CPA. My dad is a lawyer, but turned real estate uh, sort of manager. Um, but it, my, my grand, my mom's parents um, lived down the street and my grandfather was a lawyer but had a passion for architecture and art and was sort of a frustrated architect a bit was very inspired by Frank Lloyd Wright he sort of had a hand in designing the home that they built and my grandmother was a piano teacher and so I was there was always a piano at the at my grandparents house or we were my grandfather and I did a lot of artwork together as when I was young and I have very vivid memories of doing that painting things um and so the arts were sort of passions of theirs and I think a lot of that uh translated into to what I was inspired by excellent and so thinking about uh architecture did that also come from 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 that source in terms of how did that because you, you well we'll talk a little bit in a minute about kind of your your uh, educational experience in architecture but how does how does a young person just get interested in that you know I guess that's a an area I've just as an adult I can see the appreciation but as a seventeen year old or you know when you're deciding on your major right that, yeah it you know my mom says that like when I was young I always said I wanted to be an architect. Um, I don't necessarily remember that. I think it just always was a part of maybe my interest. Um, places and buildings, the built environment has always sort of fascinated me, the way that people engage with them and interact with them. I think that's what sort of ultimately led to my interest in urban planning, urban design. We'll get to that. But, you know, when I got my first camera, my mom was like, stop taking pictures of buildings, you know, like take pictures of us and the family. But I was just so fascinated by I don't, something about it, maybe, you know, I was always just looking up and looking at the way that um, the buildings met the sky and the way that people created the built environment and, and the ways that they sort of challenged that. I remember specifically going to Miami once and driving around and seeing these skyscrapers. And then there was one that had a giant hole in the middle of like the top three fourths of it. And there was this gap in the building and this really colorful bright red spiral staircase that led down into what I guess is a private pool and private like patio area but it was a giant square cut out of the middle, middle of the building and I was like it's such an unexpected move and I was like totally infatuated with it so I don't it's kind of always been maybe a part of my interest um but it, it dates back it seems pretty early in my life and so you grew up in a distinctive architecturally distinctive neighborhood Bellhaven which is a historic um um, early 20th century, primarily of uh, um, group of homes there in just north of downtown. What are some of the, what are some of your personal landmarks in terms of Jackson uh, buildings or other edifices that uh, that are of special have special meaning to you? Yeah, Bellhaven is so great because, like you said, it has this sort of early 20th century sort of origins, but there is almost every type of. Uh, residential architecture represented and there is modern architecture there's mid-century there is early 20th century it's just an array of all these different housing types and diverse housing like there's 
small homes, there's apartments, there's duplexes, fourplexes, mansions. It sort of runs the gambit. And so some of my favorites are, of course, the Eudora Welty House is such a remarkable um, home. Then there's also... Um, there's a lot right there on, I think, Pinehurst, where it becomes a boulevard, where there's just this array of different styles of homes. Uh, but then, you know, I always remember my grandfather's office was at the Lamar Life Building, which is the clock tower building when I was a kid. And we would watch the St. Paddy's Day Parade from the second floor. And so I remember going downtown and seeing the clock tower and, you know, knowing that I was headed to my grandfather's office. And um, and then there's just such other iconic spaces like the Imara Hall and, uh, that that likens to places like Lincoln Center in New York and has these sort of remnants of, of large spaces and we have our own little taste of it. So those are some of my favorite spots, I think, that really um, stuck out to me growing up and as a kid that led to my interest that I had later in my career. And for folks visiting uh, Jackson and Belhaven, the, the Eudora Welty House is a museum and yes. you can tour it. It's, it's really amazing to go see and, and encourage people to check that out. You're listening to the Arts Hour. I'm Larry Morrissey, and our guest today is David Lewis. He's the new executive director at the Mississippi Arts Commission. He's been on staff just about a month now, and we're so happy to have him here. Uh, we're, we're getting a lot of stuff done. Um, let's skip up to, so so you had this interest in architecture, and you went off to Mississippi State, and was that were you set to go into the architecture school as soon as you walked in there? Yeah, so I didn't know if I was going to go into the performing arts or into architecture when I was in high school. I was trying to decide. I was very into show choir, but I had this passion for architecture. And I looked at like Tulane and a couple in Auburn and applied to those schools. Uh, Mississippi State provided me a wonderful uh, full ride scholarship, which was <laughs> great and a definite encourager. Uh, and I had a lot of friends that were there and wanted to continue to, you know, develop and foster that community. And, and I loved the program at Mississippi State University for their architecture school. And that was also a second home for me growing up. My dad's from Startville. And so it was a place where I just loved the community there. So I wound up at Mississippi State fully prepared and ready and excited to go into architecture. And uh, to, as some people who may be familiar with the program, the sort of running thing is that, you know, I wouldn't see the, the, the real world for several years because you're so entrenched in, in the work of the school. But I think they've done a great job of really encouraging students to, to get plugged in. And, and I had a great time while I was there, met a lot of my very dear friends in that program who I still keep in touch with and are around the state and around the country. But that program is really rich and really remarkable and uh, taught me a lot about what, what I know now and use on a daily basis, even though I'm not in architecture, with regards to creative problem solving. That's like the best lesson they taught me was how to take a situation and apply a creative solution to the problem that is before you in a way that really challenges the status quo or or really speaks to what a community in whatever context it is, what a community needs. And Mississippi State's architecture program is interesting in that it's in the it's shared it's like a dual department with the art department, which right. I think is very unique. I don't know yeah. of another one like that, but it makes so much sense. It does in a lot of ways. It does, and and I was able to take a lot of art classes um, with some remarkable professors over there. I wish I had gotten one with with Brent Funderburk. I did get to interview him once for the Reflector, which was wonderful. But uh, his brother's actually an architect. Little fact. Um, but yeah, the the sort of 
combination of those two departments is a really great relationship. I think that they've started to really lean into even more lately and, and really own in a really remarkable way. They, they, they coincide so well. The art department at State is remarkable, and, and, and the artists that come out of there are so well prepared for the, the world of, of being an artist, and as are the architects. So graduating, that's like a five-year program? It's, it's, yes. It's a, it's, it's a big It's four thing. years yeah. in, ja- in Startville, and then the fifth year is, is in Jackson uh, at a, at a uh, campus downtown, which is a great program and sort of immerses you in a different context, and you get to work on a Jackson-based project in downtown and kind of dream big and connect in the community. And so coming out of that, did you go into a big firm? What, was your, what were your first steps into that world? So... With fifth year, with the fifth year program, I really, so, well, let me rewind just a bit. In architecture school, they take you on field trips all over the country. And I always thought I wanted to leave and go work for some big firm and design skyscrapers. That was like the first thought. But the more that I visited these cities and these places, I became much more interested and inspired in the ways that, that our city and our state could learn from these different areas and we had such rich and fertile ground to create and sort of a a canvas to play with that we you know we can do whatever here there was a lot of a lot of space to work with to, to just do things and to create things and create i don't know community spaces and do public art or bring in new restaurants and new ideas and so I was just so much more inspired by what Jackson and what Mississippi could be that when I got to fifth year and dove right into their urban studies class, I was like, this is, I gotta, I gotta keep doing this. I gotta keep finding out about this. So when I graduated, I went to a great firm, local firm here, uh, Burris Wagner Architects. They do a lot of work for the state. They're remarkable work. And was there for about a year um, when I applied for and was accepted to grad school at JSU for urban planning. And so I was in the sort of uh, firm world for about a year before I went to grad school. And so urban planning, that's a much broader kind of field than just, I mean, that that includes non-buildings. And right. so maybe just, not that we needed, we can get into it real deeply, but maybe how did that that time kind of impact you in terms of where you are now doing that JSU program? So I was really interested in studying specifically the city of Jackson and studying in it and of it. So that's why JSU is a wonderful program. And the focus in urban design sort of works in community spaces, whether that's going to be public art or master planning or streetscapes or any or community development it sort of runs the gambit of anything really that interacts and interfaces with the public and so the interest there has to do with how do we create spaces that provide a better quality of life for citizens and how do we inspire them in those ways and 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 bring to life their hopes and dreams but also create spaces that are more accessible and equitable for others. I just am very passionate about following that mission of like, how do we create a better public space? Um, and so that's what really drove me into that space. At the same time I was working part-time for the Greater Jackson Arts Council as a project manager, which led into a lot of work with um, public art creation and, and working in 
you know, creating murals and, and dialogue around public spaces. And that's what sort of started a path here. This is Larry Morrissey. Thanks for listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour. The show is broadcast on MPB's statewide radio network on Sundays at 5 p.m. For access to all our past shows, please subscribe to the Arts Hour on your favorite podcasting app. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. We're back on the Arts Hour. I'm Larry Morrissey and our guest today is David Lewis. He's the new executive director at my agency, the Mississippi Arts Commission. We'll be hearing you very soon on here, David, as, a, as another one of our hosts. That's right. I'm happy to get start getting into the rotation. Excellent. It's going to be great. Another voice for you all to hear so you don't have to hear this guy, old guy, droning <laughs> on, on and on. Um, so when we left you, you'd mentioned uh, Greater Jackson Arts Council, which is one of the uh, grantees, one of the local arts councils here in the state. We've got several all around the state, but that's the one here in Jackson. So very appropriate that you began uh, kind of your journey to the Arts Commission at one of our grantees. So tell us a little about them and, and, and more about what you did with them. That's right. So at this point, as we kind of talked about a little bit in the past, is I'm sort of going away from architecture and, and getting a master's in urban planning and working a lot with public art at the Greater Jackson Arts Council. And so that was a part-time position that started to expand. It was really going to be the summer, but as I started to develop what project manager was going to be, they were very kind and basically like, if I came up with it and found the funding for it, I was going to do it. And so it was very exciting. I worked with a lot of remarkable partners, the Community Foundation, Downtown Jackson Partners, the IBC, to do installations and interventions, whether it was a mural or outdoor lighting or something to really excite people in and around spaces that were overlooked. And that ties very clearly into um, urban design and urban urban planning. And so I graduated, got married, graduated to my beautiful wife, Mary Lee, and um, our, our daughter's birthday is coming up soon. So happy birthday to Louise. Um, but at that time, an opportunity came up the Greater Jackson Arts Council is housed in the Art Center of Mississippi, which is the former Museum of Art. And um, an opportunity arose to work with the city of Jackson in to sort of help with the Art Center, the planetarium, and a couple other spaces to help sort of bring them to the next level. It was within the Cultural Services Division. And um, so I, I went over there, and my predecessor, Michael Raff, who's a wonderful man, um, retired pretty soon after I started, and I became the deputy director of cultural services for the city of Jackson. That role included managing Thalumara Hall, overseeing the Arts Center, the Planetarium, the Smith Robertson Museum, and the Municipal Art Gallery. So all of a sudden, I'm now into facilities management, um, cultural planning, and then all these buildings are such great assets for the city. Um, but there had not been a lot of investment in them at a large scale in, a, in quite a while. So there was an, this amazing, again, going back to the idea of there being this canvas to paint on, right? 
it, there was this sort of canvas and, and, and platform to really create and expand all of these facilities and really rethink them. And so that's when I really dove into a lot of the more recent creative work that I've done with the city. So what, you maybe had like Sunday afternoons off or something if you're <laughs> managing multiple facilities? Right, yeah. So it was kind of a balance. One of the great things about it is, you know, you can work on a show at Thalumara Hall, but, uh, and, and, you know, that's just kind of, and that, that likens even back to my show choir and theater background, right, is is getting to see and sort of be involved in some of these performances. So it was a really I wouldn't I wasn't minding it because it was it was fun work to do to just kind of be a part of the, the live theater action uh, that was happening in in some of the best performances coming through town. What are some especially notable ones, maybe people that you met or productions that you saw over the over that time period? So that's a great question. So we had some wonderful shows. We had a week-long stint of Les Mis, which was really fun. We got to put together a big opening night and invite special guests and stuff, and that was a lot of fun. We also had Need to Breathe, which is one of my very favorite uh, artists, came in. I got to meet the band. That was a lot of fun. I usually don't ask for that, because but they found out they were my favorite band. They were like, you want to meet the band? I was like, absolutely. That same month, we had Mavis Staples, and oh, yeah. That was such a special night. I brought my friend Dan, shout out to Dan, to that show. He and I are big fans. And I remember I was sitting in the audience and Mavis was talking on stage and she said, you know, every time I come to Jackson, I eat these little sandwiches. They're like pig ear sandwiches. And I always get them. And she said, the only problem is that I've been here for I don't know how long now and I haven't had any pig ear sandwiches. Well, I took action with that. I, I texted my friend Carlin Hicks, who was over the Jackson Foodies. She texted Gina Lee, and all of a sudden I got a text that said, the pig ear sandwiches are ready. So I slipped out of the theater, drove down the street. They were ready for me. I took them back and put them in her, in her dressing room and got a sweet note later thanking for, for getting the pig ear sandwiches taken care of. So it was fun to kind of make some of those yeah. like fun requests and leave that sort of lasting impact on artists. We also had one time where, where Tyler Perry was in town for tw- two, two nights for the Medea play. That was a lot of fun. I got to see that show with my family. We had so many different acts. I mean, there were like 26 different genres represented in a single year. And, you know, you don't get that kind of diversity from a lot of other venues. And we're very fortunate to be able to have that. So it was a lot of fun. Every day was different. Well, that Mavis Staples show, I just want to say I saw it was a, an amazing show. It was right, it was. P- right before COVID, I think. It was. It was in March away. of 2019. Yeah. And it was, it was actually the night before the St. Patty's Day Parade. And that was when they switched the St. Patty's Day Parade to the next weekend that year. And we had already had two performances of the Sound of Music book the next night. So we had to do this. Um, this is where my planning sense has come in. And, and we worked with the, the uh, parade team to um, create an in and out. Like we took Pascagoula from one lane to two lanes only to get to the parking garage and out and had this whole like map of every hour different what streets were going to be shut down and open back up and had this like system that we built essentially to get people in and get people out because there was a matinee at 3 p.m for the sound of music while after the 2 p.m parade had started and was going right next to the theater and it went off very well because i have great people that i work with and and great friends and and everybody that i knew <laughs> was all hands on deck but uh it was an adventure for sure 
Yeah, I was I was thinking about that. And and before I ask the next question, I'll say that this is the Arts Hour, and I'm Larry Morrissey, and we've got to do our resets, Mr. Lewis. we got to let them know that we're talking to David Lewis, the new executive director at the Mississippi Arts Commission. Well, I mean, you came in with that architectural and uh, urban planning background into this position. I'm curious about what are the new things that you learned? I mean, there must have been so many in terms of skill sets that you had to develop in that job. Yeah, it was, um, it, it really taught me so much about how to, a lot about politics, about how to navigate relationships between different agencies, you know, and how to advocate for, for the needs of what we, what we have before us. Um, the administration was so supportive of me and the work that I did. And, and I'm so thankful for that. And they would, you know, I'd, I'd pitch this crazy big idea and they'd be like, yeah, go for it. Just make it happen. And if I can be given that kind of room to make it happen, I'm going to do everything I can to make it happen. And so we had a lot of energy and a lot of excitement doing that. And kind of what I alluded to earlier, creative problem solving is really what led to a lot of what we were able to do. We could just, I just use the principles of what I learned in architecture school. If I was designing a building, I needed to know what all the flaws were so that if somebody pointed them out, I could you know, talk my way through why I recognize what flaws they are and basically build a stronger argument. And so when it came to convincing people about things and why to do it, it, it was something that was a great skill for me. But at the same time, so many people taught me about how to, you know, negotiate with with groups that were coming in and how to really build rapport with a lot of touring agents and, and booking agents and promoters to really make sure that they feel heard. I learned a lot about, you know, how to manage a staff and how to make them feel heard and feel listened, how to tap into what their strengths are and equip them with the tools about how to do their best work. The the manager of the planetarium, Mike and I really became a dynamic duo as we started to embark on this massive $16 million fundraising campaign for the planetarium, the first that had ever been done of that size in its 40 year history. And so we learned a lot about fundraising and how to present for fundraise to funders and, and really how to, you know, riff off of each other and make a really good team so that when we stepped into a space and talked about our project, you know, there was not like everybody was on the edge of their seats, right? Because we had something compelling to say. So the job really threw me into a lot of really wonderful situations that, that I learned a lot from and just kind of adapted as, as we ran with it. Also, I'm wondering about just kind of in relation to the Arts Commission and your work now, you were engaging with the arts community a lot. And uh, I think we have, a, you know, like all over the state, we have very dynamic. There's a dynamic arts community here in Jackson, as there is in the Delta and North Absolutely. Mississippi on the coast. Are there, not, not to call any names, but are there themes or things that you saw kind of in your time with the city of Jackson in terms of the arts community that really stand out to you and you'd want to, you'd tell somebody from out of town, like, you really need to know about this? Yeah. So what I learned was, I, and, and with the arts community, I saw my my role as sort of a, a point to sort of connect them to the next thing, right? If I was connecting with donors or grants grants organizations or um, philanthropic groups or businesses and then I had an artist who had an idea for something if I could take it, that idea and then help push them in the right direction to the right donor and equip them with the tools that's what I really became a lot about and so 
one of the things that in Jackson was so powerful was that the mayor was very vocal about saying, I think he had a quote, something about like, you know, art predicates um, economic development or, you know, and so there were a lot of philanthropic groups. Um, one that comes to mind is the, um, they're out of Detroit. I can't think of the name. Anyways, this, this big foundation, they're, executive director wanted to have a conversation with the mayor when art place America was here about that specifically. So they had a whole panel about and a conversation about art arts investment and how it can lead to economic prosperity. And that just opens the door for a lot of people to have conversations with you about it. Because if you have a leader an elected official saying the arts are this important to me, then it can pave the way to so much more. And so I think a lot of communities that have been very successful with that also reflect that same sort of thing. If there's some really visible people talking about the arts, a great example is Ben and Aaron Napier and Laurel, when they're out there talking and bringing artists into their show, then that really transcends and sends massive waves and ripples throughout their whole community. And we, we feel it across the state and we see this inspiration. I mean, this isn't, Jackson's certainly not an anomaly in this. And there are so many wonderful communities across our state doing this type of work. I think about Carlton in Utica and the work that he's doing with SIP culture. I think about Water Valley or Clarksdale or Ocean Springs. I mean, these are just a few of the many that are happening all over Indianola. There, there's some amazing work in communities where people at a, at a, at a visible scale are talking about the importance of art and that, that, that conversation has amazing effects for economic development, for, um, diversity for growth of a city, all of it. It, it. It's powerful. And, and I love exploring and highlighting all of that. This is Larry Morrissey. Thanks for listening to the podcast version of the Mississippi Arts Hour. The show is broadcast on MPB statewide radio network on Sundays at 5 p.m. For access to all our past shows, please subscribe to the Arts Hour on your favorite podcasting app. Join us each week for Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. We have an IT expert, a computer repair ace, and we troubleshoot your problems on the phones as well. Everyday Tech, Wednesdays at 10 on MPB Think Radio. Download the podcast now or listen on YouTube on the MPB Think Radio channel. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. We're back for our final segment of the Arts Hour. I'm Larry Morrissey, and our guest today is David Lewis. He's the new executive director at the Arts Commission. He's Larry, my boss. Larry, it's time for this Jackson guy to stop talking about Jackson. I mean, that's all he seems to talk about. Well, I about. was going to say, you know, <laughs> this is a statewide program. It is. People all the way from Pascagoula, all the way up to Tate County right. are here in this show. So, Mr. Lewis, how are you going to get out and talk to these people? They they, they want to see your face. They want to know something about how you're going to help them. That's that's what I'm here for. Um, I, and I want to say, too, like, you know, a, as you can tell, I've got a lot of passion for Jackson. I have. But that's been my that's been my job. Right. And but my passion is arts in Mississippi. It, I've been involved in other ways throughout my career. I've worked with the uh, Heritage Trust. Um, we did a project for the. Mississippi Delta National Heritage Area when they did this amazing tour of modern architecture throughout the Delta. I mean, they have some incredible gems throughout the state. And I did a little video project with them. 
But there's so much to see and to highlight and to do and to support throughout our state. Some amazing groups that, you know, may have never been involved with the Arts Commission. I'm, I'm really excited about getting to the heart of that and to really start to listen and see and learn a lot about that. I've, I've been involved with groups across the state before, but I'm ready to learn and see a lot more about what there is because, you know, that's that's what I'm here for. So, folks, if you're listening, you'd like David Lewis to come see you. Uh, he can do that on the state's dime. though. That's what we're about. <laughs> we'll put him in his car and off he'll go. So 601-359-6030. <laughs> Give us a call Monday through Friday. Send me an email. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm very accessible. Um, I'm excited to get to know what you're doing, what everybody's doing, um, it, and and how we can best serve you. I mean, that's what we're here for is to get support for you. So it, it's an open book. It's an open playbook. I, I'm excited about really rallying around what I learned from these different communities and what they're telling me. I mean, this is – I have ideas, I'm sure, that we'll come up to, with together, but – I'm only going to be as strong as what, what I'm told by the community. And so I want to make sure that, that I'm informed well by those who love the arts and who want to support the arts. So you, you've been familiar with the Arts Commission, our agency, for a while as a grantee right. through the city. And I'm sure when you worked at Greater Jackson. Um, and then you came, you've been here for a little while. So talk about kind of, I mean, there's, you know, not to leave out any of our programs, but what are some of the things that have jumped out to you in the last few weeks as you've met the staff and started digging in a little bit? Well, so one of the really amazing things that Mac was able to reintroduce last year was the Building Fund for the Arts grant. And I was uh, able to apply for that, did not receive funding as an, as an applicant, but that's largely because a couple of things on our end, we didn't have our match yet. We weren't as ready of an applicant, but we there was a, such a capacity there as i've learned here i mean 16 million dollars of of applications and 10 million dollars of ready to go applications and and i'm excited to keep advocating for that as we come back in the session and hopefully the legislator will look favorably on us with our big ass this year um but we're excited about that and i think that that's such a huge impact and and i i've seen the need firsthand i know that People around the state need it. I've seen such a huge impact, specifically when when investment comes to arts facilities, it captures headlines, right? And that turns the heads of people who are looking to invest, whether it's a, a local citizen who just moved back and wants to open a restaurant, is going to locate it near downtown because the theater is going to be busier. Or if it is a business looking to come back because they've seen such energy, I think that investment in arts facilities really can turn the heads of other economic drivers to say, let's invest there and let's put some dollars there. So the impact goes beyond all the impact the arts already has, which is amazing. And so I'm really passionate about that and learning a lot about our applicants and the work they're doing. We've got some that are wrapping up now, but how do we get more of that out there? I think that what's also really fascinating is, and I want to really work on too, is we have an amazing deck of, of fellowship uh, awardees, uh, grantees every year. How do we highlight their work in, in unique ways? Is, is there a way to, you know, send the work around the state in the future? Is there ways to really showcase and uplift them in really new ways? I think that really our, our staff does an amazing job of answering a lot of questions and getting the heart of what our grantees need. That's what I felt um, when I was a grantee, when I was a grantee applicant and whatnot. But um, I really want to support our staff and being able to get to to new people and making sure that everybody feels comfortable and welcome to apply. 
Yeah, and then just hitting on the building fund, you know, there's for folks that aren't in the grants world, there's there's grants money out there for arts organizations to do programs. But to find money that can allow you to fix that old air conditioner or put some new seating in or just, I mean, a lot of these, I mean, there's large projects in there, but there's also some very small projects at at the very local level. That's Brick repointing. Yeah. Just improving a space that's being used ongoing and needs help. And it's, it's hard for some of these folks to find that capital money. It's, it's very rare. And, and what's so tremendous about having something like that from a, from a facility standpoint is if you've got a 60% match, which is what is offered, then you can find that 40% a lot easier if there's a potential for it to be coming from a source. Like money follows money a lot of times. And if you've got somebody willing to say, hey, this is a this is where we think we get some of this money, you can really turn the head of a lot of other donors a lot easier and catch their attention if there's interested investment from the state or the federal government. Yeah. And 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 I hope, you know, that our in terms of our success rate that we show that we're we're open to all types of projects. There's a very transparent process that right. we provide. We provide a lot of tech assistance through our, our staff on that. So it's not a you got to know somebody to get in the door kind yes, of thing. Yes, absolutely. It is reviewed by a panel that have expertise in the area. And and again, we, we just have a series of qualifications and, and things that, that are needed to order to kind of apply for that. And then we try to award as much as we can to as many people as we can. Yeah, I try to move the money out as far as we can, within reason to make sure that the project can still be successful, Absolutely. of course, because you don't want to give people right. 20% of what they needed. Right. Then how can they do, you have a you have so many things you have to just buy lumber and right. stuff, right? Yeah. And, and another thing that we've been talking about since you got here, and I'm, and I'm going to speak about this in kind of the broadest sense, is, is arts advocacy. Um, mm-hmm. I think we've seen as a staff that there's a strong people, even that are not in the arts, understand that that's an important part of our history right. and, and, and something that the state has that, that few other states have are, right. are just the, the breadth and the wealth of that. And that we want and people want that to continue because right. they're very proud, justifiably very proud of that. So kind of moving from that, we love the arts to the arts are important and they need to be kind of considered in 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 the broadest sense in terms of public dollars as well as just you know general support and and pushing it behind it yeah i think that we have a great opportunity right now to really focus on impact right we can tell that story it's so so important to make sure that our local elected officials understand the impact of the work that we do all across the state and saying, hey, and bringing them alongside us and saying, hey, this is some really cool things we're doing in our community that, you know, you represent. We are really appreciative of the support that you've given us and we're excited to do more. Um, This is just the beginning of that. I think that we can really continue to endear ourselves to everyone involved by by storytelling. Yeah. And and, and we try to storytell in a bunch of different ways here. And one of the ways Thankfully, you are here for the Governor's Awards, which right. is, is is a great platform for that. And so I'm just curious, and people have heard, we've been talking to the Governor's right. Awards recipients over the past, uh, throughout January and early February. What are some, you know, things that you saw just being, you know, stepping in the door, really, when that's right. starting in terms of discussions with recipients or reactions or things that you saw that kind of really stand out to you as far as that program? You know, I had I had... I really had no idea what I was stepping into. And I was so humbled. I got to 
to drive Ed McGowan to the hotel from the airport. And, you know, to be in a space with such arts titans, you know, they get a lot of awards, right? They're very well decorated. But like when it's coming from your home state and it's an award like the Governor's Arts Award, it means so much to them. And to hear that and to feel that is powerful. There was such a beautiful moment when Senator Horn honored each of the recipients in the Senate chamber, and he invited all of their respective senators to come up and stand with them. And so uh, it was so powerful because, you know, this is just like a community of very visible elected officials coming and standing around them to support them. And each one of them were just, you know, so moved by by the motion. It was it was beautiful. And I had no idea that that really occurred until we got into it. And I think it's such a beautiful part of the whole program that we do and then later honor them with the award that night. But it was such a, a wonderful moment just to kind of have them there, feel them, hear their – they didn't really say much, but – for them to just not even feel like they have to say something, but just to receive the praise. And that was all that they had to do there. That was really cool. Yeah. And it, it you never know. You Like you said, it's like somebody like Ed McGowan, who's shown his work all over the yes. world and has been well known for over 50 years. Yet he he had a hard time kind of right. getting his speech out because he was so moved. Yeah. And so that was really something. Yeah. It's really powerful because I mean it's been around for 35 years. It, it is known. It is a it is it is an Oscar type award for the state, right? And and I don't know. It's just so special. I'm really honored that we get to be the ones to help facilitate that. That's such a huge honor for us. You're listening to the Arts Hour, and our guest today is David Lewis. He's the new executive director at the Mississippi Arts Commission, and he'll soon be joining us in the rotation of hosts here on the Arts Hour. Thinking about David, about your your experience with in architecture, and just do you keep up much with that in terms of? I think you were mentioning a little bit about the you've been kind of you get you keep involved in kind of historic property stuff and things like that. Yeah, um, it's always going to be a part of of my interest. I think you know there's a lot of conversations that I love to have about thinking big about how do we push the boundaries of of the built environment of um, of of the the fabric of for example downtown and how does it become more pedestrian friendly you know there's a lot of really exciting things happening and i know that jackson is only a small reflection of the rest of the exciting things happening at the state and so i always am you know I'm very in touch with the aia mississippi and a lot of architects across the state love because i can talk their language a little bit um but there's some really amazing work being ha- happening ocean springs is a great example there's a group tall architects that are doing some work specifically for i think the walter anderson museum they have like a new sort of style that their style is a bad word to really kind of say for it but they have their own sort of they're making their own impact and their own footprint visually and aesthetically on mississippi architecture and i think it's tremendous to be able to do that there's there's a lot of great firms doing that and so i think it's great that we can continue to celebrate that at mac too and and highlight you know the built environment and the art that goes into that but also the way that our built environment expresses and and is a conductor for arts as well through museums or community spaces or any sort of space like that yeah now, so it's a very busy time at the Arts Commission right now. For those of you who are interested in applying, the application deadline is creeping up on us March 1st for the annual applications. We've got 
a whole bunch of stuff happening. You know, that's that's kind of a, the big push over the next few months. What what are you thinking about in the next you know three months, four months, six months in terms of what your prior priorities are for for yourself and your work? So I again, I'm going to be really spending the next couple of months getting out into across the state. So I want to come meet everybody, come talk about what you're doing, learn about the work that you're doing. Reach out to me, let me know. We can schedule something. Our grants team is going to be working really hard on getting that grant cycle going, reviewed. Um, approved. I'll be observing that process as well. But then we'll start to really talk about soon and start to get on the calendar our arts conference, which we're looking at for October. And so we'll have some information coming about that in the few months ahead. Uh, applications, I know, for next year's Governor's Arts Awards will come out earlier in, in April. So look out for that, too. Um, so we're, we're, I'm observing ways that we can sort of continue to elevate and strengthen and increase visibility for the really remarkable work that we do. And so if people want to contact David Lewis at the Arts Commission. My email address is dlewis at arts.ms.gov. And that's his real address. That's my real, yeah. You can you can email me. Flood my email. Go for it. Or come down to the Arts Commission offices. Yes, you know, we, come by. Yeah, we're in the Wolf Oak building and, and just right across from the state capitol. And uh, we welcome guests. We, yes. had, we had someone in here just earlier today working on their application. That was so, amazing. Yeah. So the help is, you know, you're going from the city, from the state, so it's kind of a big step, but it's, yes. but it's, it's so much more, um, it's such a rich experience, what I found out, in terms of being able to connect with people and, and just play even a small role in somebody's life in terms of helping them achieve Absolutely. something. Yeah, it's about creating access and opportunity for the arts, arts organizations, artists, anybody who wants to, who, everybody has a creative thread in their, in their body, I believe, and so... We're here to help bring that to light and let other people see it and experience it. David, thank you so much for coming in today. Thanks for having me. You'll be hearing David very soon on the Arts Hour. He's going to step into uh, the rotation. We'll have now have five hosts, uh, myself, David, Maria Zarang, Lauren Rhodes, and Leslie Barker uh, taking turns here on the microphone each week. Thanks for listening to this MPB Think Radio podcast. MPB depends on support from listeners, so if you can, please contribute today at mpbonline.org. I'm Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, host of In Legal Terms. If you're enjoying this podcast, I encourage you to listen to In Legal Terms, the show about you and your rights. We find interesting legal topics to bring to you and let you know how the law affects you. Find In Legal Terms on any podcasting platform on your smart device or on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org.